Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following podcast may contain some strong language and adult themes. If you've got young children around, maybe save it until they've gone to bed. If you really don't like bad words, this pod probably isn't for you. Welcome to the Making Up the Numbers podcast. Making Up the Numbers podcast is sponsored by Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalb, and the world's finest independent mountain bike magazine, Single Track. Previously on the Making Up the Numbers podcast. It was crazy because I just, um, I just got a hospital I just had some scans and went for the doctors and you know that was probably the only moment where I was like a friend of mine had to retire from rugby because of a neck injury and and his vertebra had been displaced and um you know that that uh that was starting to go through my mind is, is how severe this injury is yep and uh, I picked up my phone and I was like I was the, the last 10 guys to come down so I stopped watching and uh my fiance and, and Gaspari from Crank Brothers had were down in the hospital with me, but you know, they're waiting on the benches and I'm in this bed trying to hold my phone. And <laughs> and then I like, I go get all excited and they come over like, what's going on? I was like, oh, I finished 10th overall, I'm protected for next season. <laughs> and they're like, well, you're not gonna even think about maybe retiring or what? So I was like, there's no way I'm 10th, I'm protected, it doesn't matter, things are good. <laughs> and it gave me a bit of, uh, bit of hope and excitement in the hospital. Being second is like, it can be hard, you know? especially I think behind your teammates. But I think he's younger and he really like appreciating every moment, every good moment. So for sure in my case, if I finish second behind him, I'm like, fuck it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm older, you know, we have, I'm five years old more than him. So yeah, yeah you have plenty of time to play with. For me, it's not the same, so... Fort William's a bit different to everything else on the World Cup circuit. Are you a fan of that track? 
no, <laughs> no, actually, I'm not a fan of it whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, I think that place is like, I felt like when I came home, I was like, man, I feel like I was out there at a race for six months after being there for three days. I was like, this place is <laughs> just like going to war. The computer tells you everything, but at the end of the day, you just take the fucking brakes off and go fast. Hello and welcome to season four, episode 11 of the pod. And joining us for this episode, we have the irrepressible Wim Masters, who is here not just for his own little segment, but to do the intro with us too. Then we have the young Irishman who took the World Cup by storm this season, bagging a podium in snowshoe, as well as the Irish national title. We'll be chatting with Ronan Dunn about his incredible 2022. So let's get going. We are delighted to be joined by the man who is at the centre of perhaps the biggest team rumour of 2022, who's going to replace Rob Warner. Welcome to the show, Wynn. How's it going? Uh, that's a hell of an introduction. Um, pretty well, actually. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, st- it's still a rumour at this point, so we'll leave it at that, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that was going to be the first question. Let's hear it from the horse's mouth. What's going on? Uh, nothing as such so far, but yeah, I, I just spoke to the team from discovery in leger last year and then uh that's the last i've heard from them so maybe they didn't like my my loose operation but i'm not sure we'll see did you do like a read through for them not to do a bit of a read through but i've never really done anything like that i'm I'm a bit more of an off script person so that was quite something different for me well i god it would be great if you could get that because you know like obviously like with rob saying he was going well, he wasn't going to go to discover it. Everybody's heart sank, I think. And there was no light at the end of the tunnel. And when somebody said win, I think the collective, the, the entire downhill c- community went, yeah. yes, yes, somebody who could actually do it. You know, it might not be as good straight away, but he's got the charisma, he's got the enthusiasm. So if it isn't you, I can't think of anybody else that, that could do it. I'm not. I'm not sure who it will be, but um, at this stage, I'm probably doing some races next season as well. So um, I don't think it's me. But uh, I told them that I'm racing as well, but I could do something for them. Yeah. So even like I'm not often at the end of the race anyway. So yeah, I'm I'm there to do interviews if if they want. I'm already doing that. So I'd be there to do something after the run. I'd be happy to do that. But um. We'll see what happens, really. I, I hope that someone that does a good job takes over, but let's see. Yeah. So whilst we're on the topic of Rob and Red Bull, there's rumours of a, a six-race Red Bull series in 2023. I can't find anything to substantiate it, but IXS will celebrate 20 years of the Downhill Cup next season, and there's a video about it on the IXS YouTube with Rob doing the voiceover. A certain Win Masters stars in that video as well. It it would seem like a good fit for Red Bull and IXS to partner on a, on a series, wouldn't it? Oh, I'd like to see something like that happen. We we kind of like, the IXS series is great, but if partnership with Red Bull on that series would be like, take it to the next level. And they've done such a good job to have like kind of a feeder series. And I yeah. think that would make it really a series that some riders might even do over the World Cup, you know, at that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. So 
should be good. Before we get into some other team rumours, the big news since the last episode was Amory's broken collarbone. We all, we all wish Amory a speedy recovery. Not too sure about the eating the uh, eggshells, but get well soon, dude. First question then, Jack, is he still the favourite for the 2023 World Cup? He's got a lot of time to recover from a broken collarbone, hasn't he? I mean, are, what, are, we, are we still seven months out? It's, it's almost an immeasurable amount of time, isn't it? So, yeah, for sure. Right then, team rumours. So Norco have unpaused their downhill factory team and announced that they'll have three riders next season, Gracie Hemstreet, Lucas Cruz, and a yet-to-be-named elite downhill veteran. It doesn't sound like that's going to be blanky, does it? I'm quite sure it's not at this point. Yeah. Uh, I would say it's a certain Mark Wallace. Yeah, that's what I thought it might be as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a veteran! I, what? I, I, I Come can't on. believe that. That makes me feel so old. Mark's still a child. He's not a veteran. <laughs> a veteran, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Is he even 30 yet? He's definitely not. not. We've got to find out now. He's, yeah, he's not. Because I remember G Milner doing loads of filming with him yeah. when he was a junior. And I'd already been filming with G for ages. And G told me Mark was going to be like the you know really good rider and stuff. And there's yeah, there's no way you can class Mark as a vet yet. Yeah, I surely you've got to be over 30 to be classed as a vet, and I think that's still pushing it. He's born June 1st, 1995. <laughs> how Come old on. is that? How 20, old is that 20, 27? Yeah, 27, I think. Whoever wrote that needs someone needs to have a word with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say maybe he's a veteran of the World Cup circuit. But he's not a veteran. <laughs> he's literally yeah. not even a master yet. He'd still be a senior in the UK. Yeah. yeah. He's 13 years off the vets category. So what do you but, know about, about Blenky then, Win? Is he going to... Somebody said prime bikes, which is... is uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure too much, but I think he's just exploring all potential options, yeah. what he can do. And maybe Norco is still in the picture, but not as part of the team. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 He's, he's doing well at the minute, isn't he? Yes. He's back on form. Once he gets back to New Zealand, he always uh, kills it. So <laughs> he got back there for the crankworks and for the Cairns crankworks as well. And then he's back in form now. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, Emmy, thoughts on Gracie staying with Norco? That's good. I mean, I she she seemed pretty confident back when we saw in Whistler that she was going to have something because I told her, I was like, well, it's a shame about Noko, but if you need any help or whatever, like she was like, she seemed like she was like almost certain to have something. So I wouldn't really worry, but it's good. I mean, she can need brand and she loves the bike and she knows it. So it's as your first year lead, if you change team and change your bike, you've been riding for a long time. It might be a bit tricky, you know, to... yeah. Get everything sorted. So I think it's it will be great for a first elite season to have like the same setup that she always had. And Pivot announced that their new rider would be Jacob Dewitt, as kind of teased by Bernard on the last episode. Solid first season in elite for him. 51st in Leagang, 43rd in Valnord, 27th in Snowshoe, 33rd at Worlds and then 40th in Val Sol. You, you'll be looking forward to him joining the team? Yeah, for sure. I think, like, I, I know his brother, Dane, because he's on the Pivot Factory Next Gen program. Right. And, yeah, they're pretty similar character. I mean, uh, I don't know Jake that much, but I think he's, like, from a writing side, very similar to Dane. And he also does his own, like, filming stuff in the most edits that he does. So, yeah, he's a creative young guy. And because I'm the, on the media side, I 
like obviously now it's it's sick when you have someone that really looks that good on a bike and you want to film yeah. him and maybe also share a bit of my experience with him cool you've probably yeah. halved the average age of the team there do you reckon in one go <laughs> yeah jenna jenna and um and jay take the well i'm not really part of the team anymore so i don't count so the, the average goes down already but oh, okay. <laughs> but um but yeah no it's cool to have a younger guy and i think that was the whole point to have like someone in between next gen and in between like yeah. bernard so we have someone that kind of like can step up and can learn from from the other guys so madison saracen i messaged will and um he hasn't confirmed anything but i'm pretty sure that they will go racing next season again n- nothing from will but i've heard that greg williamson is going to join madison and that there's going to be a junior development team as well jack have you got have you got any info on that yeah, I mean, from people I've spoke with, um, yeah, they will definitely be continuing on. Um, and Greg Williamson is going to be their new rider. Um, so that's a new face for that team. And, uh, yeah, you can see that working quite well. Um, I don't know, really know anything about the junior, junior development thing they're doing. Um, I'd heard rumors that George Madley was going to do something. Yeah. yeah. But other than that. Yeah. Well, I've, I've heard there's going to be two guys, one girl. I don't know for sure who those people are yet, but yeah, George Madley, I think has been rumored that much that I think it'd be strange. I have heard they're working on a new bike as well. Yeah, I think I've heard that as well. Well, Will told me that. So yeah, sounds like that that could be uh, quite different from what I've heard. So be interesting. What you're talking like high pivot or something like that? I don't know any specific details, but I know they really kind of went looking at other bikes to see what they liked and what they didn't like, and yep. putting some something together based off that. So might just look completely different to what they've been riding, which should be exciting. Yeah, cool. So, Emmy, I know you've got something, and I know it's good, so do you, do you want to jump in? How, how can I not have something? Even when it's completely <laughs> wrong, I have something. No, but <laughs> actually, actually, this time, I, I was like to Cam, I was like, wow, we really got in trouble because of that Madison rumor. And she was like, I didn't say that to you. I was like, what do you mean? Of course you did. I wouldn't make it up. She denied it. Nice. (laughs) So it's all on me now. Anyway, um, yeah. So um, we're talking. Obviously, between the girls, we're talking about yeah, who is going to go where, and we know that 100 is going to stop. So we were like, oh, where's Millie going? And and we were like, well, there's not a lot of option. But I guess because also um, Jake Jewett leaving Canyon. There's a big rumor that she's going to go to Canyon factory. Yeah. And I texted her and I was like, Oh, I, I heard that. And I, I hope like this is true. And then she just like sent me a big smile back. So I guess, yeah. I it's guess a good she's, rumor. Yeah. It's a good rumor. She'd be a good that would be, that would be, that would be a first for like yeah. this, this team to have a female on the, on the roster. I got and, something yeah. I can throw in the pot as well, actually. Yeah, um, go on. I reached out to Henry Kerr um, to ask him what he was up to. Um, and he did confirm to me that he is, he does have something and he is pretty much ready to put pen on paper. Um, didn't want to jinx it by giving anything away. But mm-hmm. given that you've now just told us that Jacob Jewett is leaving Canyon, there's an empty seat there for a, a young rider. So maybe he's going there. Um, but Henry did confirm to me that he, he was going somewhere. So that's exciting. He might be quite a good fit at Cube as well if Blanky didn't go there. Yeah. I've been thinking about that. I was thinking that. Yeah, because did, didn't we say that we knew Cube were getting another rider? Yeah, Cube were getting a third. Well, they were they were 
accepting applications for a third mechanic. So we imagine that that's going to be a third rider. Right, okay. A queue. So I think Millie would be a good fit, can you? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And she can, she can like learn for Fabian as well. And I was quite surprised that, but I mean, they also probably, she's a good friend with Tani. So it's kind of collective, right? It's like, it's all big parts. So I think it's, it's a good fit for sure. Yeah, cool. When you got anything on the old, uh, uh, I, don't, I didn't listen to the last two episodes, but uh, up, up to that, I was quite informed with your rumours, and most of them were pretty accurate, so I was like, oh, they're doing all right here. All right, okay. Um, yeah. Some of and them then, are just pure guesses. So, yeah. So I've missed the last two, but I don't know what, so I don't know what you, where you left off, but uh, Angel Suarez, I don't know if you've hit that one. No, we haven't no. had this one. Yeah. We've speculated, but we haven't had anything. So a new team with Nate Angel Suarez. I, okay. I know that there's something happening there. Nice. Mm. When you say I, a new I, team for Angel Suarez, is that a new, new team that's never been around before? Or? Um, never been around recently. Never been around recently. Yeah. Right. Is it okay. YT then? No. Ooh, what, older <laughs> than that? Uh, yeah, or... And probably around the same, but not it wasn't really a big team anyway. So now it will be coming in with a bit more because uh Oh, I think I know. It's Uno. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's finish off this section with another one of those hypothetical questions. And I thought of this question straight after the last episode, and I still can't work out who I'd pick. So I'm calling it the impossible question. So it's a two part question. And you might need a pen and paper. And um, if people want to play along with this at home, I will put it on Instagram with whoever these guys choose and maybe uh, put who you would pick. So the brief is you're building a brand new downhill team for the next three years. So it's three-year deals. And I'm going to give you three pots of three riders. And what I want you to do, first of all, is to rank them one, two, and three that you would choose them for your team. So pot one is Amory Piron, Loic Bruni, and Loris Vergier. So deathly silence there. Yeah, you see, I, when I saw the script, I had a little quick look at this, and then I stopped. I was like, as you say, it's pretty much impossible, so I'm not even going to do any homework. So I'm looking at it for the first time now, really just thinking... Where you just put one next to all of them, but you can't. So, pot two, Camille Ballange, Valley Hall, and Miriam Nicole. That one's easier. And then pot three is Thibaut de Prella, Jackson Goldstone, and Jordan Williams. See, that one's impossible for me to answer fairly, because Steve will kill me if I don't think <laughs> one. <laughs> can't even... So, if, that, if it wasn't a three-year deal, I think if it was just a one-year, you'd pick Thibaut. Wouldn't you? I mean, he's won a World Cup. You'd, you'd go with T-Ball on yeah, that okay, list. Yeah, fair, fair point. So what I want you to do is write a one, two, and three next to them as who would be your first, second, and third choice. Have you all, have you all done that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now what have you got? Tell me what you've got. Who have you got for pot one, Emmy? Amory one, Loic two, Loris three. Pot two? Cami one, Valley two, Miriam third. And pot three? Uh, Thibault one. Goldson second, William third. Yeah. When? Uh, first one is uh, Loic one, Amri two, Loris three. Yeah. Second one is Valley one, Cami two, 
Miriam three. Yeah, for when she gets very defensive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just go- I'm just going off the age here. Just, just, absolutely. <laughs> it's a three year contract. I want to be, you know younger rider. Guys, be riding and- for uh, for less than all of them though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just say. But, but no, you, you just put your back out in the gym, so you know, like, older age maybe. <laughs> um, and the third one was Jordan one. Jackson uh, Tebow two and Jackson three. Wow. Right, okay. And Jack, who have you gone for? So it's almost impossible to choose between Amory and Loic. Um, so I'm I'm going to go Amory one, Loic two, and Loris three. I think we've all you know obviously we've all put Loris three, but you know he could come out and do it. <laughs> exactly. <the studio. laughs> He's just not add that finishing touch, has he? But. We all know it's there. I'd go same as Emmy for pot two, um, Cami, because you can't argue with her consistency. Um, Valley and then Miriam. Oh, pot three is so difficult. Um, I think I think I'd go, I'm going to have to go Jordan one, um, partly because I think he's going to be quite exciting next year with the changes. Jackson two because I, I just yeah I think there's big things coming there and then. Tebow three, but no disrespect to anyone I've put for three because it's no. almost impossible to choose. So that's the easy part, Don. The hard part is now to build your team. It would be too easy to just let you have your first picks from them all. So you've got to tell build a team. You're allowed one first pick, one second, and one third. Who's in your team? Uh, I'm, I'm done. So Go on then. Go win. Uh, Valley's my number one. Yeah. Amory's my number two. And mm. Jackson is my number three. Yeah, I think that's... I couldn't get there because I wouldn't have had Jackson number three. I think I would have had the same as you, but with Jordan as the number three in that pot. Yeah. I Emmy? think I put him, put him number three on purpose. So who are you having alongside Cammy on your team, Emmy? <laughs> <laughs> I hope Cammy's on there. Of course she is. So yeah. I think... Cami for consistency. Yep. Loris, I meant third because yeah. I also kind of put Loris third on purpose because he's younger on the, uh, the other two, and I think he's also like the age thing again. Gonna do a great season next year, and Jackson as my second. Yeah. So it's Cami, Jackson, and Loris. I think it would be a great team too, from like personality. Mm. Yeah. Jack. Yes, yeah, so I, I think I'd pick purely looking at points, so I'd pick. My number one rider from pot one, Omri, and I'd pick my number two rider from pot two, so that'd be Valley. Because your number three rider's always well for that pot three, you would think it's going to be more of your wild card following up on the points. So I'd then end up with Tebow. So Omri, Valley, Tebow for me. That's a hell of a team. <laughs> That's like almost the best three, really. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but you could say that for anyone, wouldn't you? You could. It would be so weird, though. Imagine all of them in under the tent, no? Oh, having them together? Yeah. <laughs> It'll be weird as fuck. <laughs> well, Omri and Tebow are already together. So it's just yeah, that's why. It. It's so weird. Then Valley's going to be there in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> right. As I say, we'll stick this on Instagram and uh, let us know who you guys have picked. We'll be back with more from Windmasters after these messages. Time to make your bike ride like the pros. 
World Cup level suspension tuning and servicing from the expert team at JTEC Suspension. Built off years of knowledge and experience, the team at JTEC Suspension will service and tune your suspension to make sure it's in tune with your riding style and terrain to shave those vital seconds off your next race run. Visit j-techsuspension.co.uk today and see how their expert team can transform your suspension performance. Me again, it's Sasha at Revolution Bike Park. It's that time again. We're going to go and have a chat to a few people about what they think is the best thing about Revolution Bike Park. Maybe 50 when it's running, hopefully. Don't know. Or... Uh, actually, ghetto. Middle section at ghetto is probably my favourite at the moment. So, yeah. All of it, really, including the burgers. Yeah, it's good. Very good, especially the weather this time of year. I think it's good that it covers all aspects of biking, you know, racing from play riding to racing, and also even if you're into racing specifically, you can hone in a lot of different techniques. You've got steep, gnarly stuff, you've got fast berms, everything, you know, to really, whatever you want to focus on, you can find it here to improve on, really, I find. That's the, that's the good thing about it. It's been great having him along for part one, but now I'm delighted to have a chat with Wynn about his own career. So I started, as I generally do, by having a look on Roots and Rain, and boom, 258 results on there, Win. <laughs> First thought was that's nearly the same as Jack, so let's do a head-to-head. And yep. you guys have raced each other 54 times, including a few EWS, so mm. like potentially bigger time differences there. Who do you think's got the advantage? Shit, sad. I'm going to tell you, it's within two minutes. Crazy that. <laughs> yeah, how seven, many? Seven and a half hours of racing, near enough, and it's within two minutes. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, it's mad. Jack's Jack's got you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're on seven hours thirty minutes and fifty seconds, and Jack's on seven hours twenty nine minutes and twenty seven seconds. <laughs> I was pumped when I saw that because you put that one on last week, which did not paint me in a good light. <laughs> <laughs> Against two lads who let's speak, I'm not the most fond of, and they're not the most fond of me. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. So, uh, well, at, least, at least this is a situation where it's someone I got a lot of respect for and it's nice and close. So that's good. Well, well done. Well done, Jack. Yep. yep. <laughs> may, may the battle continue. Yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> I've got two minutes to make up. We're not vets yet. <laughs> yeah. Not two minutes. It's what is it? It's it's a minute, minute and no, minute, it's only a minute and thirteen seconds. Is it minute thirty? Oh, minute and tw- minute, minute twenty three. One minute oh, twenty three. That's one EWS stage, mate. It's it's still double. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Win. So you started racing World Cups in two thousand and eight, and you kind of floated around the thirtieth to fortieth mark for quite a while. I can say that because I've spent a lot of time doing that myself. Um, mm-hmm. Until 2013, I think your best result was 22nd at Schlabming in 2009. Tell us a bit about that period because you had, you had quite a few different teams at that time. Yeah, the f- the first year, 2008, I just came to Europe kind of by myself and I was like, it's now or never, I've got to have a go. And I didn't do it as a junior. So I was like, I went to Australia, worked for two years, and then I was like, I'll go and have a go. And um, pretty much knew one person in Portugal and- Flew to Portugal and started racing there, which was actually a really good decision because uh, we started with the Gouveia Maxis Cup, and then 
I think another Portuguese national, and then I just winged it from there to as many races as I could do. Really, nice. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have a van, and I just like asked everyone for a lift. <laughs> so I had to get to know everyone straight away. So yeah. for that, it was like the perfect way to get stuck into it, you know. Yeah. And then suddenly, I knew most people in the pit. Nice. So back yeah. then, you rode Ancelotti, uh, Kenda, MS Evil, Team Bulls. Do you, do you have a favourite kind of team from back then? Favourite memories from one or the other? Um, the Ancelotti memories were really good because it was like me and Brooke just travelling around with a family of Italians kind of <laughs> in the camper van. So it was like Tommaso, who, who's the main guy from Ancelotti, and his dad. And we just traveled like <laughs> in the camper like that. And yeah, it was probably pretty hard for him looking after two Kiwis who were a bit loose, you know? <laughs> like, imagine I remember I remember it was my birthday once and it was like me and Brooke just started ordering whiskeys at dinner. <laughs> and then then we had to like ride the next day because they came to ride like um test the bike or set the bike up for the next race with us so they'd come for the weekend to where we were staying and we're we're just drinking and the the dad can't believe it alberto he's just like looking at us like what are they doing he didn't think that we were going to ride the next day the next morning we're there we're good and he's like shit these guys they're different these guys mean it what a memory plenty of stories and uh, we could keep going but um and I think I kind of had to teach Brooke as he went as well. Then he he came over and he didn't know really anything because he'd just come from home, you know, and he's sixteen maybe, right? And he he tried to cook pasta with no water. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, oh, it was man. definitely a learning experience for both of us. Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market. Sure. Um, yeah. Those early years, you've mentioned like not having a van and having to get lifts off people and just just meeting everyone. Was it a battle to stay on the circuit for a certain number of years? Did we we you spending time thinking, "Fuck, this is hard. I can't do this." Or was it was it always just fun and easy to just do it? Um, definitely wasn't easy, but it was always fun. And then I was like, I was almost thinking like the whole way along, like, is this ever going to happen? like that you actually get paid to do this. Like yeah. I was getting bikes and product and maybe some travel, but not not really much. Yeah. So I was like, is this realistic to keep going? And then I was, but then I'm like, well, what else am I going to do really? So I'd go home, do like work through the off season uh, trail building and then just keep 
ticking away and it it got better every year from there pretty much nice. so yeah so rolling forwards then to 2013 you had a really good year you were 22nd at Valdesol, 21st at Liu Yang and then 17th at Worlds did did you feel like you'd made a bit of progress that season yeah the previous two seasons were a disaster um I had a a broken arm that like compound fracture that got infected and then then I came back like when the surgeon told me that I was good but I wasn't really I was like still in pain and then I fall over and I hit a hole and I just bent my arm like it bent all the metal plate I remember that yeah so I had like this bent arm (laughs) and then I raced Leo Gang anyway because I just couldn't believe it that it was that bad so I was like this is not possible my arm's like broken (laughs) and I'm racing in Leo Gang and I was just like telling myself that it's okay but it wasn't I I still qualified so I was like that was good but I couldn't do any like drop impacts like it was every time I was just gritting my teeth oh then I went home after that got it fixed and that was like wrote that season off next season come back and I'm just getting good going in New Zealand and then I broke my handlebars and it broke my wrist scaphoid and then the bone died and yeah another year gone and then I got pretty lucky that Mitch Delfs didn't take the Team Bulls uh, ride and Mad Dog Boris called me up and said, do you want to ride for Bulls? And I was like, for sure. It's the first time I'd ever been paid. I'd done two seasons that were really bad and then I got put onto this team where I'm getting paid and getting a bike. And I was like, well, let's go. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that, that, that arm, that must have hurt like hell. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, It was like every... <laughs> Every drop in the track, I was just gritting my teeth. And then I was in my race run at 4 a.m. and I hit the hole. So I just hit a hole and, you know, when you, like, brace to not go over the bars. Yeah. And my arm, I felt my arm just go grit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then, then, then I'm like, well, you're in a lot of adrenaline at that point because you're racing. So you're like, I went all the way down. And then I, like, <laughs> look at my arm. It's like grit. Oh. Looked like a banana. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And then I seen the seen the surge of the picture. The x-ray looks like that. <laughs> the plate is like looking like that. I still got the plate at home because they took it out. So I was like, yeah, I've got to keep that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, not good. But so then yeah, move- got past that. Yeah. So moving into 2014, uh, you took eighth at the Garbanzo DH at Crankworks in Whistler, uh, which is a longer race for anyone who doesn't know. That one's around 12, 13 minutes kind of kind of length. Um, at that point, did you, did you start thinking you might be better at longer discipline races or was it not something that came into your mind? Yeah, I was always a bit more endurance than uh, sprints. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I was always like wanted to do the Garbanzo race when I saw that there was this real long race. And yeah. um, when I used to do trailboarding, we'd do like massive runs on our way back home from work. And I just kind of kept doing that and I enjoyed that. So I was like, yeah, probably longer dis- discipline was better for me. But then uh, I guess in 2015, I went to more in some enduros as well. So, yeah. So the opening line on your Instagram profile is living the dream. I don't know if you remember that, you know, like, Nobody checks what the, their Instagram profile says. I don't think I don't, you could just write that one morning. But at what point did you think, I'm probably not going to be a Minar here winning, you know, four World world, Cup, uh, world Championships. I might have to think of another angle. Did you 
consciously think of that before you started Win TV and things like that? Yeah, quite quite possibly already like <laughs> realized that maybe at the 2006 Four Cross World Champs <laughs> that I was not a great winner <laughs> when I crashed. Like I think in both races, it's like pretty gnarly crashes, <laughs> and then I was like, "Well, I'll just do it my way and how how I can do it." You know, I think um, 2009. I remember I got back from the season and I started working. Then I bought a laptop and a camera, and then from there it was doing my own videos, and then just progressed from that. So yeah, 2015. Um... You mentioned you went to like some longer events like uh, Quankwonks Enduro and EWS in Glentures. Mm -hmm. And um, you get a pretty good result there, like a third at Quankwonks Enduro and uh, top 15 at EWS. So did that give you a lot of confidence? Because straight away after you got 11th at War William, which was like an amazing result. Yeah, I think um, 2015, everything was just like easy. It was all kind of clicking. Um, Bulls didn't have very good enduro bike and like mm. it would last me like two weeks, I think, every frame. So, <laughs> so I convinced them that I could ride a blacked out Santa Cruz, which worked in my favor quite well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got the Santa Cruz like two days before the Rotorua WS and just got it built up and then did the race. Um, and I was like, pretty keen on that race so i was like not sure how well it was going to go but to end up on the podium was a dream and like there was like this gnarly big hip jump on the bottom of one the last stage and i think myself blinky cedric tried it encased it and mitch rapolato jumped it and if i didn't do that i wouldn't have got the third justin leov was like less than a second behind me i think Right. So, so I sent this get the first time. I didn't do it in practice. Blinky did it in practice, and I was like, "Well, if he did it, I have to do it." And then I did it in the race only, and it got me the third. So I was like, "Stoked!" That's so cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so tell us a bit about your training for EWS. So, do you think all that bike time that you get? Because I see Ed train as well, and I see all the bike time that he gets. Um, does it help you for for downhill races? I think um, in that period, it helped you a lot more than it mm -hmm. does now. Um, yeah. Around then, like if you were training of any sort, it was good training. And now everyone's very specific. And you look at even like a lot of the build of it, a lot of the riders are pretty strong now. Whereas yeah. then it was a little bit different. You didn't have guys looking like Amory or so on, you know. So I think it's changed a little bit. Before it was like if, if you did any training, it's good training. And now, yeah, and now it's like you kind of have to specialize in one discipline or the other. And I think Ed struggles sometimes with just doing so much that he's just cooked all mm -hmm. the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you think it could be all, almost the other way around? Because we've seen some of the enduro riders riding some downhill walk-ups or like more downhill events like Isabeau, Adrien Dai, and I think you Maybe downhill helps you more for enduro than enduro helps you for the downhill? Yeah, I think now it's become that way because then you get like the raw speed from the downhill and you can bring that a bit to your approach at the enduro. But both of them are quite different now and, and the riders are getting a lot more specialised in how they yeah. are prepared. But it would be good to see more crossover. But I think it's the crossover days are going away 
more and more at the moment. And mm. I feel personally like the Enduro has gone a little bit the wrong direction from where it was. Like we've done some really, well, Jack would have done some as well that were really awesome big two-day events where you got two days of practice, two days of racing. You go to a venue and you ride all the amazing trails. And now it's kind of gone away from that, which is a little bit of a shame. Now it's only like five stages over the weekend, which is like pretty short compared to what it was. What are your thoughts on that, Jack? Yeah, I agree. It's it's definitely like the crossover days are are pretty much over. Like as Win says, you've got the downhill that is now so packed with talent that we're all fighting over tenths and hundredths of seconds to get where we want to be, or even in roughly where you want to be. Um, so you have to specialize in that constant evaluation of getting every single little bit of time out of your, your race run that you can. Um, and the Enduro is, they're just so fit. Like you just, you cannot compete with them. Like I've experienced it at EWSs and most recently at the Mega Avalanche where I'm coming off the glacier in the top three and then I'm just getting absolutely destroyed on the climbs and I'm not unfit. Um, and then they're holding me up on the downhills again. So, so yeah, I think the crossover days are over and you just got to pick which one you like and, and do that one. Well, we'll see what, how Vali is going to do because I know she's going to do a couple of Enduro. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. Maybe it might help her. We'll, we'll see about that. Um, so when moving on a couple of years, you talked about um, the Rotorua Enduro for 2015 where you got third, but there was a big race in 2017 in Rotorua. And I remember that because I was there as well. Um, and you won that. And I was like, so pretty unique as well from who is on the podium. So when Masters first, Matt Walker is second, Ed Masters is third and Sam Hill's fourth. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this is a pretty yeah. awesome result sheet, if you ask me. Um, yeah. So tell us a bit about that race um, that you won. And from the result that I've seen here on, on the script, you, have, you haven't you have won um, a stage at that race, if I'm not mistaken. But you won the whole race. And I think it was pretty eventful also from the weather side. Yeah, it was um, yeah really wet, super muddy. And just a gnarly day, like a massive day on the bike. I think it was 60 Ks and like where it had been raining probably all night. So it was like soggy pedaling all day and just hard. But I like kind of, I don't know, that summer I was just getting ready for that for a while. So I was like, it was almost easy for me that, that kind of massive day at that point. Um, and then. Ed was doing real good as well all day. So we kind of like had some idea of what's going on. Um, but it had been, Ed had a few rough stages as well. I think one stage he had to, he had a big crash and his dropper got stuck up. So he had to try and ride the bottom of the stage with the seat up. Um, and since then, he's kind of figured these things out a bit. So now he's pretty dialed with his enduro approach, but it used to be pretty wild. His, his racing approach all around, I think. Um, so, so it worked in my favour and then I managed to get the win and uh, it was an all-Kiwi podium with Samuel fourth. So it was a pretty epic day and to do that at home, like whatever anyone wanted to say, it's still like you're winning your home race. I think um, Nico Volia sent me a message and said it's bloody hard to win at home, so well done. So I was like, that was pretty sick. It's incredible. 
It's, it really, I remember it. I remember, obviously I wasn't there, but I remember seeing it, you know, like in, and I remember the conditions. It was, as you say, wet, muddy. Yeah. Do you think if it hadn't been like that, you'd have done as well? No, no, not at that point. I didn't think uh, coming into that one that I was riding super good, but because it got wet, my it, it played in my favour a bit and I was like a bit more ready for that. And yeah. then I remember one stage was terrible. Like I, I was like, I've lost the race on that one stage because I was like running some of it, you know, and you're like, what, what are we doing here? And then Ed like smoked that stage and I was like, what? He didn't, he didn't run at all. He was like pedaling through all this shit. And then I was like, shit. So I thought I'd like thrown it away there, but I managed to um, hold it together for the rest of the day. So it was pretty good. Yeah, you got second on stage one and stage five, and then nineteenth and fifteenth on the last two stages. Was that just you? Was that nerves, or was that you trying to just make, yeah, take yeah. some off to make sure you didn't bin it? We knew that. Um, we kind of knew where we were at, so I was like, "Well, I can't really mess this up." And then you're like thinking about it a bit as you're riding, so you're not really riding how you would normally ride. Um, but I didn't crash as well, so that was kind of I was probably riding a bit cautious but it worked out so it's good cool so you, you mentioned yeah. a few minutes ago about um ews not really going in the direction that you 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 think it should um we've i think we've got richie on the next episode and there's a lot that i want to ask him about because when enduro came along it really hit the downhill hard over here not obviously not the world cups but like the the local races the numbers were dropping completely well going off a cliff really and people getting that one bike that does everything and then you were losing the numbers at a downhill and then since covid it seems to have gone completely the other way the jack will tell you because he's training so many youths and juveniles now that the kids are just there's races i think we did one race last year and there was a hundred in one of them categories or near enough a hundred yeah. riders so what are your thoughts on the EWS at the moment in the sense that it doesn't seem like they're giving it as much coverage. I don't know if they were doing yeah. videos from them this year. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I kind of feel like they've let it uh, down a little bit or let it go down a little bit yeah. for the like past year. And um, it's hard to follow as well. Like even the live timing can be sometimes hard to follow and it's not quite that exciting when you – Every, when on the other weekend you're watching a World Cup downhill and you're on the edge of your seat going, holy shit, who's going to win? And yeah. then then next week you're trying to log into some live timing just to see who's doing what. And I kind of, I don't know, I lost a little bit of the passion for it with the way it's kind of gone. Yeah. Um, and I gained more passion for downhill again, which is kind of cool. Everything's going in a full circle. Yeah, it seems that way. Yeah. And I don't know if you've got any team rumours on Richie, but I think he wants to do downhill next year. That's what I've heard. Well, there's rumours today Sam Hill has posted something. I don't know if you've seen that. And he's put something like 212 days to go. And 212 yeah. days is Valdisor World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, That's he's he's planning to do downhill from what I know. So yeah. Richie and Sam in the, back on the downhill, that'd be amazing. <laughs> And I think uh, Brendan is training again too, quite seriously compared to how he has done. Well, he's he's also had a family since yeah. uh, 
but now it's uh, back in the gym and back training. So that could be good. Sam and Brendan back in there would be good. <laughs> Another two people to beat Jack to, to qualify. <laughs> There you go. It's the young one. <laughs> Fucking hell. Just keeps getting easier, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jesus. It's insane now. The race used to be in the race run and now it's just in the qualifying run. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. Definitely. You can fit, like, you're already like coming back up the lift going, oh, that's a relief. I'm in the final. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be the other way around. It used to be like, oh, I could have a crash there and I'll still be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gone of those days. Top 16 yeah. and now all these new riders. It's, uh, yeah, those days are long behind us. Funny. Yeah. All right, then. So back to you, Win. Uh, 2022, you kicked the year off with a brutal crash at Snow Sh- uh, Sea Otter, sorry, but got up uh, to race two hours later and grabbed fifth. You were lucky to walk away from that one, I think. Yeah, it was quite quite a big crash. There was like this kind of I don't know, it's like a triple in. It should be a quad really. Yeah. So then I like I got smoked in the slalom qualifying and I was like, well, I'm gonna change my tires. So I just like looked at what people were doing. So I was like, I put a cross country tire on the back for the Seattle Downer. And then I had like a super light front like and it's still an enduro tire but i would never use it for enduro so it's like hard compound like light casing and i pumped them up to like 35 psi and then i did a run of the track and i was like holy shit it's fast <laughs> so i was like i was like and then i was like well they're jumping that thing onto there so i'll give it a go i i come in and i was like wait there's a bit of tarmac road before it and i was like bombing that and i'm like well should be all right. And I didn't, I like half pulled it. And if I'd have pulled out, I would have gone for the quad. But instead I just went into the face of the fourth one and just like bounced, pulled bottom out and then just exploded into like a whole lot of dust. My whole goggles were like full with dust. And I was like a little bit shaken up, but it, because it was so slippery, I just slid for ages. So it worked out pretty well considering. Yeah. What it could have been. Yeah. I love the approach that yeah. I went. It's uh, very similar to the, to, to mine when you got a race let's have a look at what everybody else is doing and, and try and copy that yeah, yeah it's like, <laughs> I can't well I was like I can't deal with being 45th in the slalom qualifying so then I went to getting 5th in the down on the next day after that crash and I I had to jump that thing in the race again I was like oh, here we go <laughs> So did you like, did you go for the quad in the race or did you just no it had quite a strong headwind so like uh, it couldn't get the quad in the race but um in the practice there was no headwind and I would have got it easy I was like if I'd have pulled then I would have been fine but then I was trying to go into the middle so then it didn't quite work out very well but it was a story to tell yeah sure <laughs> so then moving on to the World Cups um on the subject of what we were just talking about with the the standard being so high, uh, you did miss out on a few during the season, like a lot of us did. But then in Snowshoe, you hit back uh, 21st. How much did that that result mean? Yeah, that was pretty special. It was like, um, again, gnarly conditions. And I think like that's the ultimate equaliser. So for me, that that's when, I don't know, the race, the chance in the race gets higher. You're like, now we can really battle rather than yeah. <laughs> we're just trying to get in there and in a good position you know yeah so i think that those gnarly conditions the previous year i didn't enjoy it when it was slippery and snowshoe but 
um, now we've got like a new bike, a new setup. Uh, everything was like quite comfy. So I was like quite happy. And then it was really physical as well. So I just like was quite ready for that. And uh, it yeah. worked out pretty well. I didn't expect the result to be there, but I was like stoked to sit in the hot seat for a while. Uh, it had been a while since I sat in the, the hot seat that long at a World Cup. So it was a pretty good feeling. Yeah, I bet. Nice. Can I just jump in with a question there? Absolutely. Tell, tell us about Windmaster's bike setup. What what what's the what's the um, approach, Win? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, well, I pretty much try to get just comfortable, and then normally I'd I'd sit and forget and just ride it for most of the season. But we've got um, Rich, one of our mechanics, new mechanic so, on the yeah. team this year. Rich Simpson. So Rich yeah. races in the vets class with us over here. So is a shout out to Rich. He's a, he's a nice guy, Rich. Yeah, yeah. Rich is um pretty into his suspension tuning, so he's been I don't know directing me a little bit more than I direct myself. And he, he would help Ethan. I would see what works with Ethan, what works for Ethan, and then we would kind of follow things a fair bit. Um, but at Snowshoe, I think I just went softer than I was previously. And it seemed to work pretty well. So I was like, but I've got one video where I like, my bike was definitely pretty soft in, in the race. So maybe too soft, but we're, we're kind of working through things. And uh, it's good to have Rich on the team and work with him and then have Ethan as well. Ethan's super focused and like improving every race as well. So it's like quite good to have a young guy like that to learn off that's so focused. I, I don't think I was ever quite that focused in my racing at, at, at his age, you know? Yeah. yeah. So you then, at the end of the season, you went and did Trans Madeira, which looks like a, an awesome event. Um, mm. And, and you, you won that one. Was it the first time doing something that long? Um, I'd done the Andes Pacifico before and I loved it. And I was like, I had a few good days, but I had a lot of mechanicals because my bike was like, I one off season an old bike and normally when I go home to New Zealand for the winter I ride like all the time. Yeah. So then I took my old bike to to the Andes Pacifico and it, it kind of wasn't really up for 5 days of racing. Yeah. <laughs> um but mm-hmm. then at, I knew what kind of what I was in for at Trans Madeira and it was just like 5 big days of riding and some pretty hard days like for a, an enduro that's aimed at everyone it's a pretty hard race and yeah. just some awesome tracks. Actually, I only went there because I missed Val de Sol with COVID. So I just recovered from that. And I was like, um, riding with Phil Atwell and he's like, I'm going to Trans Madeira next week. This is Thursday. And he's flying out Monday morning. I was like, Oh, I'll come. So, <laughs> so I messaged him, messaged them because they'd asked me like a couple of years before if I wanted to do it. And then I messaged them, and they said, oh, yeah, you can have a spot. So then uh flew out Monday and, and I was back into it. Took the win. Yeah. I was pretty happy uh, to, to just show up. And I think me and Phil arrived Monday night. Phil's bike got lost. So that was like already – the trip was uh-huh. quite entertaining the whole way through. Um, <sighs> and and then we, we arrived Monday, so we got to build our bikes. I think it was like getting dark just got my bike together and then Tuesday morning they drive you to the top of the hill and you start racing. And you're away. So like, yeah. And then you're five days of racing. So it's like oh five days God. of race, racing. Some of the stages we'd done when we went to the EWS 
and yeah. Madeira, but then there was like uh, there's a whole lot that we'd never ridden, and that there's some really sick stuff there. Yeah, oh, for sure, amazing, right? Yeah. How, how did you approach the blind racing? Did you just kind of sit on an eighty percent, or did you do some fast stuff? Um, I quite like blind riding. I think like more enduro should be blind, like it's like a special thing for like riding a track you've never ridden and trying to go really fast. It's like yeah. it's quite exciting, you know. <laughs> like you're trying to focus a hundred percent and just predict the the track. And the yeah. better you get at like kind of reading, of course you get like some moments that were sketchy. But I like just try and go pretty good pace and just see see how it works out. <laughs> Yeah, sure. So you then went on to finale for the UWSE. Um, are, you, are you keen on these like technical uphill sections they're putting in at these races now? Uh, if I was about half the weight that I am, I'd be quite keen <laughs> on them. But <laughs> since, since I'm sitting around 90 kilos, I don't think I'm that keen on them. No, yeah, for but, sure. But Richie was pretty impressive in that race. Like he could have won that race if he didn't crash on the last stage. Um, yeah. But he's also he was also on a new generation engine, and ah. uh, I think there's quite a lot of technology in the engines in that sport as well. So <laughs> oh, it's sure. it's bringing a bit of motorsport and also a bit of uh, horse jockeys to mountain biking. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I remember yeah. back in 2000 and uh, what was it? It was 2020 when I told you I was doing the e-bike world champs at Leo Gang and you just laughed at me <laughs> and you, yeah, but- you went what bike are you on I went oh on the common cell you went what with the the old Shimano motor I went yeah yeah you went you're gonna die and uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you were right and I snapped my chain on the first lap practice was really fun and then snapped my chain on the first lap I was like thank fuck for that get me to the bar because I was in like yeah. I think I was fourth from last by this point and all the little guys had just gone Vroom. yeah yeah. yeah, I remember I did the first e-bike, e-cross country in Monsanto the year before, so I yeah. had a bit of a clue on what was going on, <laughs> and I spent the race battling with Loic's dad, so, <laughs> so, I was, so I was like, um, yeah, okay, there's a bit of a difference in some of the uh, motors, and yeah. uh, actually Loic's dad <laughs> had a huge crash because I was like cheering him on so much from behind, and he went straight over a berm. <laughs> Oh, but but Loic was like, yeah, you shouldn't be riding around behind my dad. Yeah, no, for sure, oh, for bro. sure. But one of my friends is like, like not really serious, but I, yeah, I guess pretty serious. And she's like Bosch sponsored as well. And she told me like, if you literally have a track that's not technical enough, like the lightest person in the field is going to win. Yeah, with the same motor, like it weight makes such a like big difference. So yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. But yeah, she's they are like developing so much different modes and stuff like every time. So yeah, you're definitely right on that one. It's like mine and Jack's go kart in the other week. There's no wonder I can last, Jack, when I'm 40 kilos heavier than everyone else. <laughs> there, there's your excuse, mate. I think we should have known at the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to how they how they will develop that discipline for it to become any sort of thing that's mainstream or, or if it even does you know like it's hard hard to say yeah mm-hmm. yeah um so when let's talk a little bit about the privateer award um mm-hmm. we all know it's like a very personal um topic for you um how how did you come to the idea how did how do you did you start it um 
I listen to quite a lot of motocross podcasts and the Pulpy Mix uh, podcast was doing quite a lot for privateers. I was kind of like, some people have done like smaller things where they had, uh, I think Vital with Sven did like a privateer of the war, year award at one one point, but I was like, why don't we have something like this every race? And I was already doing the Win TV videos, so I was like, may as well try and get some money to give it to give to the privateers because some of them you can tell who needs it and who doesn't when you give them the award yeah. just from the reaction but sometimes you're like just giving them even whatever it was started off with 500 euros i think and now it's up to about two and a half thousand and just seeing the reaction of the person it can make such a difference like if i'd have got that when i was racing in 2008 it would have kept me in Europe for probably another two months or three months. So, like, mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say that, it had kept me in whiskey. For <laughs> yeah, probably in the whiskey as well. Yeah, but cheap, cheap whiskey. Yeah, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it just just would have kept me racing more, and I would have done more races. So it's like it's just trying to help those people to make it that are actually doing well as well with not much. Yeah. So yeah, kind of built built that to a point where it's doing quite good each each season now and a lot of people like to support it themselves as well like get a lot of people coming by giving me cash to the pit they'll bring cash or or they'll donate through the gofundme and then we get that you just kind of like feel like you've helped someone to do achieve their dreams and it's sort of that's what everyone wants to do in the long run anyway you know so it's cool yeah, so talking privateer and um, obviously the change of like broadcaster and all the changes is going to happen next year, but also in the next few years. Um, there's been a lot of rumors about ESO maybe try to like, maybe not next year, but like in the long term to reduce the number of riders and like make it harder for privateers to compete. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's a shame because like our sport's, quite accessible like if you did motocross you can't just put your motorbike in a box and fly to the other side of the world and race and our sport you can do that so say you got to be the best in your country new zealand south africa wherever you can then get your bike in a box go to the other side of the world and get into the race because you've probably got uci points and have a go at the top level and it's like that's quite cool. And then the stories that you get from the people that then go through that and make it to the top is pretty cool. Like I'd rather back the underdog sometimes than, than back the favorite, you know, like I'm definitely a fan of the underdog and it makes a good story. Cause you tell what they've done to get there. Like they've not been a junior that's been spoon fed for a factory team the whole time. And they've like gone there and done it themselves. So it's quite a bit, I don't know, it's like rewarding to see that. So those people succeed, you know? Yeah. And I think people at home want to see that too. So it would be a shame, but if there was a good um, feeder series, then potentially it would work. But the feeder series would have to be very good for that to work. So I've heard I've heard um, that maybe obviously next year there's not going to be a lot of changes, but I think there's a big focus of – yeah, so to try to like develop a feeder series, that's what I've heard. Yeah. But we'll see if they actually do that or just say it because there's been a lot of talking, but I don't know if there's been a lot of proof that anything is going to be done. So 
yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see about but that. But then people might end up in this Red Bull series if that's a thing as well. Yeah. So you might have riders that get dropped out by the the cut in numbers. They might end up in the Red Bull series. Who knows what the Red Bull series becomes like? So mm-hmm. it's kind of so many questions at the moment where whereas no one really knows the answers to many of them. So it's like quite an interesting time. We've never been for a really a time like this in the sport. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so we mentioned earlier that um, you were on a different team almost like every season in the early part of your career. But um, now you've been with uh, GT since 2016. Yeah. And obviously G- GT is synonymous for a good time. So I think it's a pretty good fit for you. Um, yeah. Do you feel as, as though like if you found uh, a home there at GT? Yeah, kind of like... Um... I remember when I changed teams, I was like, I still had another year on my contract. So I had to end up, in the end, I had to pay out and then they cancelled the team anyway. So I like kind of lost out there. <laughs> so the sum of about 20,000 euros at the time, I was like, which was a lot for me at the time. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was like, well, I, I've got this chance now to go to GT, a brand that everyone knows and a team that's been in racing for a long time. So I was like, I have to take that while it's there. And I wouldn't regret it. I'll do it again today because it's just been like every year kind of building. And I kind of grew with the brand as well. Like um, now people know me through GT and then I can tell someone in a shop, like I ride for GT bicycles. A lot of people know GT bicycles. So it's like it kind of just a bigger brand. If you told someone you ride for Bulls bikes, they don't really know what it is, but in Germany it's massive. So yeah, I think it, yeah, it was a good chance, and they've kind of we've grown together, and I, I'm kind of at home there now. So pretty happy to be seven years, and we're on to the eighth one next year. So it's ticking along. So um, how does it work now with GT? GT like what? What's the brief for for you? Like you seem to travel a lot. <laughs> so what do they? What do they actually tell? They want you to do because it seems like you're doing a lot. Um, yeah, often I do too, probably too much. So it's like, it was my doing quite often that I do too many events or too many, I ride too much. So I, yeah, I'll probably, I would say I, I'm detrimental to my own performance quite often because I just want to ride my bike and then I just end up tired. But, um, that's what I like doing anyway. So I was like, why not? Um, but yeah, they kind of, give me quite a bit of freedom and I can do the events that I like to do. Like I didn't really even tell them much about Transmedera, but then I went there from three days later, you know? So like I'm able to do the the events that I like doing and I follow then all the downer world cups. That's like the main focus to be there, do the videos there as well. Um, Quite enjoy doing that. It's just like part of the race, but then part of the post race as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so you mentioned um, Ethan Craig before, and Jess mm-hmm. Blewett is also on the team, and obviously on the Endura yeah. side, you have Noga. Um, Jess and Ethan had great seasons last year. Um, tell us a bit about the team and how much you involve in, in like the dev movement, because obviously they're they're younger riders, so you can help them out for sure with your experience. Um, well, Ethan came onto the team, and, and it was me and Martin at the time, and we're like, what's wrong with him he doesn't talk <laughs> and so we're just like going at him flat out like and then just got it like getting the character out of him 
And now it's quite funny because now we've got Ryan Pinkerton on the team. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, young American kid as well who's been doing quite well. And um, now it's like Ethan started to have a go at Ryan all the time. I'm like, I like it. Now Now he's starting to come out of his shell and he's trying to get Ryan as well. So it's like he's giving back and it's kind of like, I don't know, just developing into a character, you know, and and we probably give people too much shit sometimes. But I think, you know, if you have any, if you go in any other job, you're going to get shit. Like I've, I've been on plenty of building sites where I was not, I was the one getting the shit, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's kind of similar. It's like you're coming on as apprentice and you want to try and help them and the, on their journey, but you give them a bit of character building too. So good. Yeah. Nice. So, so you're 35 now. What's the plan for next season, and, and what hopes and dreams do you kind of have left to achieve? Um, hard one. That it's pretty much just like continue enjoying riding and racing. So whether that's at the World Cup level, probably not too much longer. I, I don't think I'm going to be like a Greg Minard, but if I'm still if I'm still going all right, then you keep going. But doing events like uh, Transmedia and stuff like that is like just such an experience yeah. and those are like probably the best weeks of riding that I remember when I do those events like I remember the Andes Pacifica being so good and then the Transmedia was kind of the same so I was like try and do a few more like that there's um one in Mexico that I want to do Transsera Norte it's like mm. Day of the Dead festival and they run it alongside that so I think that one's pretty epic um Marcelo Gutierrez was at the Transmedera and he said the trails there are insane at the Mexican one. So do that. And maybe the, um, what's the one Trans Provence, but they've renamed it, uh, Stone King Rally. Yeah. And then all the downhill World Cups as well. Stick with the downhill to do the videos and stuff. And for, for the, like, uh near times just keep racing but uh see how we're going really i guess and then building on the privateer program we're trying to build on that and develop it into being like i i run a bit of a program myself alongside the team to help privateers as well so yeah that's that's the plan for the short term we're just trying to get enough funding to make that a reality for next season so should be watch watch the space i think it'll happen but um yeah, if anyone's keen to get behind the privateer, a privateer program where we're kind of like giving one rider per event the factory rider treatment. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the goal, yeah. So how does how does somebody apply for that? Win the privateer award. So Win the, right, okay. Appli- applications are not accepted. Um, right. Just results on the day and, uh, yeah, a good story from – how you got there, then that also helps. That's cool. Like sometimes I, I can remember we'd be going through the privateer world. We have like two people and then you've got to look at, oh, what does he get? What does he get? Or where did he come from? What bike is he on? And, yeah, it's quite hard sometimes to really define the person. But then when you get someone that's really got nothing, then it's pretty cool, you know? And if yeah. If you then put them in a team where they're like suddenly a factory rider for a week, it'll be quite interesting to see the reaction of what they like. It's just a different world, you know? Yeah, 100%. You maybe get some great content out of that. I'm not saying that's the aim of it, but just seeing the different people, yeah. you know? 
Yeah, well, that's that's the plan anyway, and try and tell some stories. Yeah. That's what I like to do anyway. So, yeah, we'll tell a few stories through that and uh, hopefully grow it into something bigger as it goes. Cool. Well, I, I'm going to try and follow yeah. a privateer on here next season as well. That was That's a plan oh, cool. for next year to do, you know, like follow yeah. someone for the whole season, maybe not after every race, but after every couple or something. So yeah. are, are you living over in the UK now? I am, but um, I'm moving to Austria next week. Okay. So, you, yeah. Are you going back to New Zealand? Are you, uh, back to New Zealand after next season. Right, for, okay. For the summer, yeah. So haven't been back to New Zealand very much lately, but, um, yeah, hopefully get back there next season. So uh, Austria should be good. I've never done a cold winter, though, so, um, yeah. Best of luck. <laughs> <laughs> so when the racing's done, you're comfortable in front of the camera. Would Would you like to move into the media? Oh, for sure. Like already, like with the Win TV side of things, yeah. I really enjoy that because it's like most of the people I'm like kind of friends with now anyway. So you can, it's good to chat to them anyway, like after the race, even if I'm interviewing them, yeah. I'm still like getting the story of their day and it's quite enjoying, you know, like enjoyable to do that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would like to do more and uh, hopefully the opportunity comes. Cool. But otherwise, if if it doesn't come with discovery, well, then I'll be living in Salzburg. So Red Bull's there. So <laughs> right, right on the doorstep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, thanks for coming on the show. I, I don't think I've laughed as much in an episode before. That is that. I think that's the new record for it, and it, it was just as entertaining as I knew it would be. So, so best of luck for for next season win. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, thanks for having me on the show, and um. I'll keep trying to tune into to some of the episodes. Some of them have been really good, and uh, I've been enjoying the Team Rumours side of things. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> well, we'll be back with Ronan Dunn after these messages. Hi, I'm Ollie Wilkins. And I'm Ben, the Deaconator Deacon. We've just spent the last week at Ride Southern Spain. Having a fantastic time. We have. We've ridden countless amounts of enduro and epic downhill trails. That's right, they have a workshop, swimming pool, pizza oven, fire pit. They've even got a donkey here, dude. You get a free beer if you ride, you know? That's all right, is that right? So we've just dropped into this first trail of the day. Cheeky little uh, off-piece line here. Nice little dusty berm at the bottom to catch you. Woohoo! 600 pounds a week includes accommodation, airport transfers, six days of uplifts and guiding. Check out their social media or website to book your holiday at Ride Southern Spain. Ride Southern Spain. Single Track is the world's finest independent mountain bike magazine, and they have a fantastic offer for podcast listeners right now. If you enter the code MAKINGUP at checkout, you'll get 50% off Print Plus and digital subscriptions for the first year. Print Plus includes six issues of the magazine, each one containing plenty of ride inspiration, opinion, adventure and reviews plus full digital access to their site for under 20 pounds with the discount code digital access to their site starts at just 10 pounds a year that code once again is making up that's m-a-k-i-n-g-u-p all one word no spaces for 50 percent off print plus and digital subscriptions at single track if you're enjoying the making up the numbers podcast hit subscribe now so you don't miss an episode and drop us a review whenever it's convenient. For additional content, follow us on Instagram at Making Up the Numbers Racing. So we recorded 
with Wynn on Wednesday night. It's now Friday night, and uh, we're about to record with Ronan Dunn. Um, but in the meantime, since since we recorded with Wynn, Charlie Harrison has announced his retirement uh, from downhill racing, or from World Cup downhills. Um, Jack, I think you called that a few episodes ago. Thoughts? Yeah, I think I did, actually, didn't I? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it didn't come as a surprise when I saw it. Um, I think it is actually the first thing I, I saw on Instagram that day when I woke up. Um, and yeah, I remember the first, my first thought was, well, I, I saw that coming. Um, so yeah, um, I, I don't think it's fair for anyone to judge anyone else's situation. Um, so yeah, he's obviously got his reasons. Um, yeah. I think if your heart's not in it, you can't, you know, you can't compete at that, at that level, can you? Or it's just, you shouldn't try to really. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's had some bad injuries in, in his short career and that's going to affect everybody differently. Um, there are riders out there, like G is a prime example. No matter how hard you hit that fella, you think you could run him over with a truck and still get back on crack on. Um, and then you've got other riders. Reese Wilson's one of them, who are a l- little bit more susceptible to bumps in the road. And I think you summed it up with, if, if your heart's not in it and you don't want to do it anymore, then it's a very difficult thing to carry on doing because it is an extreme sport and it does yeah. push you mentally and physically to the, you know, to the whatever levels. So yeah, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't be one to judge and I, I wouldn't, I, sh- I would recommend other people don't judge either. Um, yeah. Just wish him all the best with what he does now, really. Excellent. And also I've just noticed that Mariana Salazar is starting her second round of chemo today. Um, so I just want to give a big shout out to Mariana and to keep fighting and uh be great to have her on the pod, wouldn't it, Amy? She good English? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um she was on the doorbell team for years and I think like she's uh, English is, is awesome, so it would be great to have her and she's ready to talk about what she's going through right now. Yeah, I'll drop her a note after this, as soon as we finish recording this episode. And the final thing I just wanted to mention, we, we, we talked off air um that Cammy was taking her trailer um test. In the time we were off, how did she get on? Oh yeah, she passed. She passed, but apparently it was harder than she expected because it was very early. It was like at seven twenty, and um, she had to take a lesson before, and it was like pitch dark. You know, and she never drove the trailer in the dark, right? So it was kind of like harder, and she started to like make mistake, and then she was like, "Oh my god!" Like if I drive like that, the test I'll just fail. But then apparently the um, the expert, so the guy that's passing the test with her, was this the same. He told her that he passed my driving test with me. All right, like, okay. In two thousand and six, he remembers so, it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, "Oh yeah, you're the one that's biking." Oh yeah, well, it, he was apparently is one of the nice ones. So yeah, she passed. All good. Excellent. Well, congratulations to Cammy. And I am delighted to welcome on the show the young Irishman who's made a real name for himself at the World Cups this season. Run and done. How are you doing? Yeah, all good. Nice to be on the show. Uh, big, big fan of it anyway. I've been listening to it very best. So. Thank you. It's, it's our pleasure. So tell us a little bit about what you've been up to this week because you've literally just landed back from from London. Um, yeah, so busy enough week. I was over in uh, Birmingham just doing a test day with um, Alan Milway. Just like simple going through gym sessions and taking bloods and actually seeing how fit I am on a bike, which surprisingly it was, wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be considering I don't pedal uphill much. And then um, that was all good. And then we headed down to London for a meeting with Red Bull in their like 
HQ spot just for our hard line next year, just discussing what the riders kind of want and what changes and all. So yeah, it's pretty sweet. It was good, good crack with the lads. So excellent. So you were you were with Charlie Hatton and a few of the guys who've been with Millway for a while. Yeah. How did your gym results stack up against Charlie? Four. I say on the, the old pedals now, I'd say Charlie got me by a fair bit. Um, but the rest, yeah, I was happy enough yeah. with the rest. It's more just form. It's kind of because I'm not used to doing all that actual training for bikes. Usually just simple jump, uh, simple gym stuff, like just bench press. That's about it. Yeah, It's usually my my <laughs> training. So uh, it's pretty pretty weird to start doing like proper stuff now on the bikes, like for bike specific. So it's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's cool. You might have quite a way to, you know, quite a big room for improvement there. Yeah, like, well, like last winter, I didn't have an enduro bike. So I just, I literally just rode downhill bike the whole time. So I was kind of like, my fitness wasn't the best. So more just kind of upper, upper body strength kind yeah. of kept me going. That was about it. So I was looking back at your early results. And is this right? In your second ever race, you became national champion. Um, yeah, in 2016. Um, yeah, it was like a close enough race to my house. Cause my, I think the first race I did, I like minced myself like three times in my run, just fucking <laughs> smoked into a few trees. And then the next one, I was like, sounds out of character. <laughs> um, no, I was good crack. And I was like, I, I think I got a new, I got a new bike then before the second one. Yeah. Nice. And I somehow ma- managed to win that against, uh, Chris, who's my teammate now. Yeah. And he, yeah, he, he wasn't too happy then. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> I don't think he took that well. <laughs> so, 2016 national champ, 2017 national champ, and I'm looking at all these results, and there isn't a, a single double fig- figure finish. Yeah. Then there's a run of six first places in 2018, and then you come over to Britain. Mm. All those races are in Ireland, and then you come over to Britain and race the 2018 national at yeah. Bala. Seeded seventh and finished 15th. Was that like. I'm going to have to find another gear here. Yeah. So, yeah, first race out of Ireland. So, it, didn't, pretty, it was good fun. It was cool to see, like, all the com- like the actual competition, competition, like the proper boys. So, that was pretty pretty sweet to see. And it pissed rain as well. So, it was, like, a bit of a bit of a slop fest, which was fucking mental. I think we crashed like twice yeah. each run, but it was still a good crash. I was in that race, so I remember it well. Yeah, Balor in the mud is uh, is an experience. Yeah, and that, that grass section is at the end as well, fucking ice ranges. If I remember right, it was the same weekend as Montanam, and I remember seeing all the pictures of how muddy it was back home, and we were like, oh, thank God we're not there. We had a few races in a row at Balor where it was nice on the Saturday, like belting mm. sunshine, and then rained overnight, and that's just like, because I remember going up in the Land Rover to one of them, and riders were coming down and everyone was asking for snips to cut the mud guards <laughs> off because you couldn't you couldn't get beyond like in I, I, when you come through the stumps in the middle section yeah. that was just like you, you couldn't ride it you just couldn't yeah you, you know it's bad then when you're taking off the mud guard that's that's like leo gang's territory for sure yeah all right so i was gonna throw this in the intro um because it's uh, obviously we've been doing some team rumor speculation, which everybody's enjoying. Um, and there was some speculation we had a week or so ago that you were going to be moving to the Athertons. Um, but then a week ago, I saw you in Portugal and uh, you cleared things up for me. So rather than me spill the beans in the intro, I'll, I'll let you kind of tell everybody what you're up to next year. Cause it's not what we thought, is it? Yeah. 
That was, uh, yeah, a few people told, like, yeah, a few people said accidents as well. And I think it's more, I just go over to the pits. I'm always at the pits talking, shout with the lads, like with Andy, <laughs> Charlie and Jimbo. Yeah, so I'm sticking with the team, Continental, new group for another two years anyway. That's guaranteed. So it's pretty, looking forward to it. Nice. And you were telling me you're pretty excited to be staying with that nice family yeah. feel to the team. You all look after each other. No, yeah, it's going to be pretty sick. And stay with Continental as well. Like the tires, like they're, they're doing the job properly. And the way they have the, like the, the brand, it's like all the teams are kind of one big team, like with Pivot, Atherton, Pink Bike. It's pretty cool to stay with that. So I'm plus staying. It's good. And like new proof, they know, they know how to build a bike anyway. The, the new, the new carbon bike is it's going well. So more than happy to stay on that. Perfect. All right. Well, let's dig into it then. 2019, first year junior. You did three World Cups, but you didn't qualify for any of those. How far away at that point did the dream of getting a World Cup podium feel like it was? Yeah, like I don't, I don't think it really ever crossed my mind then. Like when I looked at podiums, then it was kind of like some surreal kind of experience that like like you couldn't even imagine what it'd be like to be up there. So it's kind of the main goal is more just actually get into a finals day was that was the main thing. But uh, yeah, that that year didn't go too to plan, but I didn't wasn't really expecting anything. It was more just go over and have a bit of crack with the lads and live the old privateer life. So it's pretty it was good fun though. I enjoyed it, but yeah, wouldn't wouldn't have expected a podium after yeah. those races. Yeah, for sure. And then 2020 was obviously a write-off, so because of COVID, moving up to 2021. Um, you're coming into elite with only one junior finish at that point, 18th at 2019 Worlds. Um, can you remember what your aims were for the 2021 season? Yeah, like I didn't even think I was going to race the season because I just didn't think I was fast enough after juniors. I was like, it's it's a lot of money to spend and yeah, all like all this. So I was like, I'll give it, I'll give it a crack anyway. I'll do like half the season and maybe if I get qualify, that'll be. So yeah, like. We had a, I got an okay result in a Portuguese cup. I think it was a fifth or sixth. I was like, ah, I can, I can kind of ride a bike. So yeah, it's more just going into that World Cup to just go in and get somewhat close to a qualifying was the main goal. And then to get 22nd in qualies was pretty, I was like, what the fuck? That was kind of odd. And then to get 29th in the finals was, yeah, yeah I was like, I, I couldn't get my head around that either. So that's pretty cool. But, yeah, for sure. So I was just about to, read out some stats from that race your, your first elite world cup in Leo gang as you say you seeded 22nd and finished 29th matt walker luca shaw angel suarez and andreas kolb were the four riders ahead of you four big names mm-hmm. and then breeden and um max hart and stern were the two behind after after that weekend how did you feel yeah it's pretty like i know it, it it was a wet race and i was like it was kind of like oh maybe that kind of got into my advantage but like it was kind of cool to know that I had some some kind of speed so that was pretty like confidence boosting and it made it a lot easier going into like like the next world cups knowing like I just ride decent I should be okay to get in so it's pretty yeah it it was weird It it was so quick as well it happened like it was all kind of just like being from nobody to getting some result was pretty pretty crazy yeah. Did you feel you'd done anything in particular to, to go to Leo Gang and get that result? Was there any kind of training um, you'd done or? No, like not really. I, like again, I didn't have an enduro bike. Literally just, I just rode my downhill bike loads, a fucking ton. And just. Loads of downhill, loads of bench press. 
Downhill. <laughs> downhill deadlifts and bench press. That was it. Not a I bad recipe. No, no cardio. <laughs> and pre-workout. That was my <laughs> that, that was my secret. And uh yeah, it worked it was working. So I was like, I wasn't changing anything. But uh yeah, that that was all the prep there was, like no suspension setup. It was literally my own <laughs> yeah, my own shitty settings. Like but the team, like the bikes are running great as well. Like the team had them, like even, even though the team was very, very small then, yeah. they like did the best we could. So it's pretty, pretty sick. Nice. So then it was on to Leger, Um And again, you seeded 20th and this time you finished 17th. Uh, were you caught in the rain for that one? No, I, I think I got it just as it was like kind of just before Tebow, I think I was. So I got, I was lucky with that. So you got some dry. I didn't, yeah, I wasn't really like, I think like I was like 17, but I saw loads of people messed up. So I more looked back at my qualies because I was real dry. Everyone had the exact same. So I was like, okay, I was happy with the qualies and it was cool to get, it was like, it was nice to get a top 20, but like it was cool to get a proper top 20 qualifying as well was the main thing. Yeah. yeah and that was pretty, that was a sick race. So that's one of my favorite tracks. So I was like, yeah, after that, I kind of was pretty feeling like pretty confident after that one anyway. Okay. So as you say, a huge start with those two results. But then it did slip away a little bit. 34th in Maribor. Oh yeah, Maribor, that was just everyone was just going hot shit. Like it was so <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> like I think I went into the qualies and I was like, okay, I, I don't think I was feeling too, I don't know. I don't know, it was the heat or something, but I was like, okay, I'm not gonna go all out. I don't like for a quality, I'll just get it in. I was feeling quite confident after those two World Cups and I like the IXS Cup I had. I was like, okay, I'll just have a good run. And it was a pretty good run. And I got down. I was like 40th. I was like, oh shit. And I was like, <laughs> just people beating me. I was like, oh, oh, fuck. Like it was just, I was like, pretty good run, but it was so far down. And I was like, fuck you. Like I, that kind of taught me, don't lay off. Like you kind of still have to, you have to go fucking flat out still for qualifying. And then, yeah, I think my riding kind of changed then. It got pretty, pretty loose from then on. So moving on from Maribor, it was a DNF at Worlds. You didn't qualify for Lenzhide, another DNF at the first snowshoe race, and then 57th at the, the second. So downhill's a bit of a cruel, cruel mistress, isn't it? Um, at the end of the season, how did you feel looking back on it all? Because there's proper ups and downs in there. Yeah, like I think as Val de Sol, because I think I damaged one of my like extra large frames on my bike, and I had to go into a large, like a quite small bike. And then I just got so, so fucking loose on the bike. Like I literally, I think that's kind of where I got my, like my name for it was just going so loose into the stuff and it kind of just stuck. So Valdesol or was it? Yeah, Valdesol, that was probably one of the best I've ever felt on a bike was that one. But I never, I never made a run down. I broke a wheel every run, like every practice run. I broke, I never, I never rode the end section of the track. That, that, yeah. And, uh, like I even I got like I rec- I got to know the marsh one of the marshals because I walked past them so many times. <laughs> this is like one of my stories from a race. Yeah. <laughs> I think I yeah I broke like eight rims that week and then uh, two rims were like in the same run as well. So it was like bang bang, two wheels gone. <laughs> and uh, my, my mechanic was fucking. He was fit to murder me. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and then for qualies that one, I think I was. Tent in the first split, and then I just blew the wheel up, and that was pretty. And then, yeah, the rest just kind of kept on 
going well or yeah, I think lens are high. I was like 24th or 20, I don't know, 20 top, something top 30 on the last split. And then that last flat turn before the drop off, I fucking washed out. And yeah, that was pretty good. In. Yeah. Like I was riding good, but I was just not making it down the hill. I think it's pretty important to make it down the hills. <laughs> and how are you feeling at the end of the season? Um, pretty, pretty tired. Like I, I had like a lot of big crashes. So it's kind of like just, you know, like sore and snowshoe. I minced myself. So I was pretty, pretty beat up after that one. So I was kind of like, I was looking forward to the off season and to change, like try to change some stuff so I can actually race was the main thing. What, what stuff? What were you looking at? Um, to more just calm down, just not <laughs> ride myself off or ride the bike off. So that was kind of the, the one that, one of the main things was it to get a, to be a bit more um, smoother. But I don't think I achieved that at all. So, I was about no. to say that, but I'll let me ask the 2022 questions. Yeah. yeah. So moving on to 2022 then, um, you went to Taruka Mini World Cup and did pretty well there and qualified fourth and finished seventh. So after a pretty uh, up and down um, 2021 at the end, I must have given you a huge lift, that result. Yeah, like um, that was pretty sick because like everyone was going fucking quick at that one, and there was heaps of mm-hmm. like fast boys. And so I was like pretty feeling pretty good going into Lords. So I was like that was like a nice. I felt like I was quick anyway. So yeah, and then Lords kind of slapped me in the face pretty hard. You spend uh, quite a bit of time uh, in Portugal. You you're a good friend with uh, Gonzalo Bandera. Yeah, I, I was o- actually I was only over there last week for a yeah. week as well. Just because um, it's like such a mint spot for training. It's pretty cheap as mm-hmm. well. The weather is good and like there's good gym. So it's like it's the ideal spot for downhill bikes. And like in Ireland, we just don't have the, any facilities to ride downhill bikes properly. So I was like, yeah, get me get me out there, which is pretty sweet. Nice. Uh, you mentioned Lord before. So um, Lord was my first experience working with you a little bit as well for Conti. I get to work with uh, with your team. Um, I'm, I remember actually you only managed to have like two practice runs on a Friday and then um, yeah. a few mechanicals and uh, you didn't qualify that weekend. I remember it was pretty hectic uh, yeah. for you. Yeah, like the track was sick and I think I did my first run. Yeah, my very first run I got, I was like, this is, this track is fucking, this is it. Like this suits me the best. <laughs> I loved it. And I went up for my second run and I just got way too excited. Oh no, yeah, my very first run, I got a puncture, ripped my derailleur off and chain ring all in one run because I just got way too excited too quickly and was just doing stupid pulls and I was too, I was too hyped. And then from then on, it just fucked every run, wheel, wheel, wheel. And I just got no practice in the, that little chair lift didn't help either or the, the train. Yeah, nice. Pretty frustrating. Um, so even going into qualies, I was just like, I don't know this track. And then a puncture again in qualies was kind of that that for me so bit of a yeah. bit of a shame but you know it's racing one of those eh? <laughs> yeah yeah it was one of one of those weekends but it was like the track was such a sick track that's like i, don't know what I was pretty annoyed about missing out on a good weekend of riding because i just like didn't get to ride yeah pretty frustrating well yeah. um you went to the Forbid National after that, got 18th there, and then top 30 for the World Cup in Fort Bill. Um, yeah. Was that ju- just your second and third tip to to Fort William? Yeah, that's the yeah no yeah. Um, I think I went I went there in juniors, so yeah, mm-hmm. like um, so it was cool. Like the BDS was beyond rough. That was pretty horrendous. Yeah. Like, but the World Cup was running sick. I just yeah enjoyed it. I was pretty happy 
like it was nice to just get a like somewhat result and get one point for the team as well. That was kind of one of the main things. So even though it's like I was pretty, I was happy enough with that um, considering. So I was, couldn't complain, but still could have gone faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But Fort William is always hard, especially yeah. with people that have been there like for twenty times. It's yeah, it, so. it does put it puts in your place pretty quickly. Anyway, you can't can't mess about on that one. No, it's a long track to learn, isn't it? It's just yeah. the people who ride there a lot and or have ridden there a lot. I think it's quite a significant advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I heard they're making a new. Well, I don't know if it's true, but somebody said they're going to have a new one for World Champs next year. Which I pray to God they will. That would be something. But uh, <laughs> maybe not the whole. Maybe not the whole yeah. thing, but at least like the last bit. Yeah. No, it would be it would be sweet. But uh, now nah, either way, it's still still good fun. It's rattle the bones around pretty much that's how it is i think if they change any bit i don't think it'll be the last bit i think they'll keep mm. the last bit or like middle bit i meant yeah yeah i think they'll change the middle maybe mm-hmm. that'll be cool all right yep I'm moving on to Lillian then um there was again like pretty pretty nasty conditions and you had a big crash in practice um full scorpion in the stump and then another crash in in quali, am I right? I, it was a, again like a yeah, it's a weird one because I was like, I think I don't think my splits were incredible, but like I think they were going to qualify. And then there's like that steep bit into the the net, and I like just kind of went into the net, but I was like, ah, oh, be okay, I can get out quick enough. And then my like the net got stuck around the brake lever. Oh, I think no. I was there for like oh, I was there for eight. It felt like a fucking ten minutes <laughs> racing yeah. the bike down this fucking thing. I was like. I was like, I was getting so like, because I think I might have qualified if I got up quickly, but then it was just, yeah, the old lever said no and kept me kept me there for a while. But uh, yeah, that was that was pretty annoying because like it was wet conditions, so it was kind of like up my alleyway. But yeah, I had some pretty pretty big crashes as well, so I was pretty physically beat up. Then there was Crankworks Innsbruck, and you got a good sixth place there, and uh, Lenza Hyde, another you can qualify. Um, but it doesn't really quite tell the whole story because you were twenty two in time training, so I guess yeah. the piece was the, the pace was was there, and yeah. uh, I guess everyone can see you have like the talent to 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 qualify. So I guess there was another problem in your your race run. Yeah, that that was a weird one um, with Lenzerhard because I was riding like in practice. I felt really like really really good. I was like getting everything just as I wanted, and then when it came to qualities, I was just like okay. So I was getting quite like quite aggressive riding and I was like, just take it easy. And I just rode like it felt like a good run and I just didn't qualify, which was I that kind of messed my head pretty much. I was like, I just couldn't get my head around it. Like it was a it was a weird one. Like there wasn't much problems. It was just I just went way, way too chill. Mm-hmm. And I even I like during the run, I was like, What am I doing? Like sit, sitting down, coming out of corners. I was like, I couldn't get my head around it until I got to the bottom, which was pretty odd. So I was like yeah, I'm never going chill again. Yeah, well, I guess you're trying to find the right balance. So I guess if you go if you go too hard, like you did maybe in in Lords, and then you break everything, or you go too chill, then it was yeah. just also maybe because of that that you get the result you got after. I mean, um, it's kind of normal. But um, let's quickly come back to Endora because um, yeah, I, I was I was there filming, and obviously you know where I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that a stop gump, uh, uh, that stop gap um, was literally insane, especially before like the track crew cut 
every stumps like they were like laying around the landing so yeah you were probably the first or maybe one of the first guys to hit i remember if it was lucas cruz or you that hit it first yeah and there's i think there's a few i don't know if that day but some juniors in the b practice went for i don't, I don't think they made it now no but like that's they still hit it so i'll give them that but uh yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I, I i've seen that on track walk and i was like yeah that's definitely 100 quicker and it'll be cool as fuck so i was like grand mm-hmm. sign me up yeah. so yeah that that was um yeah i was kind of like i enjoyed that and i think i got it most runs as well and um, mm-hmm. i got sketchy as fuck but like i still somehow held on to her so that was <laughs> that was good enough for me <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of people watching and and as well, like I guess it got easier because obviously um people were like hitting mm. hitting the stumps and like crashing all the bars, so they'll cut more stumps and then like the landing got a little bit easier each time. But um yeah, yeah there's definitely uh, good stuff to film there. No, that that was a it was a pretty cool track, but I don't think it was an amazing race track. I think it was like for me, yeah, no, it I was agree. just we we like I think some of the UK boys could say the same, like we just don't have anything like that. So all I have is like tight, slippy roots and that's yeah. about it. So flat out yeah. bike park stuff, you're kind of like, what the hell's going on here? But no, it's still a sick race, just very warm. You were P tw- P26 in qualifying and 42nd in the race. Was this yeah. was this the one where you, where you necked the Red Bulls in the start hut? Um, no, that's everyone. That's all of them, to be honest. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's them all um yeah that like i think that this one i just did not like again i got to the bottom of the track and i was like i just had so much more in me and it's kind of like i should have gone i should have just gone faster which is pretty bit of a shame but like everybody was just going so so fast there like yeah. crazy quick it was mental did did you know did you realize that you'd started to pick up a lot more attention after andorra um yeah a bit i think it was like that hook that like, yeah. video and i just kind of doing it every run everyone was like what, what the fuck's he at? What, what what is he at or something but like now yeah i kind of got a bit more like just practice day attention that was kind of like what i'd be known for is like going really fast and practice and then spinning it in qualities so that's kind of my <laughs> my, my secret trait <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so so what's the usual number of um red bulls and pre-workout on a, on a race day yeah, so I've I've laid off the pre workout because that just that ends in broken everything, and uh, but uh, no, the Red Bulls I would always have to make my sneaky mission into like the the like not the VIP but the media tent, yeah, and go st- steal all the fucking Red Bulls because nobody wants to give me some. So that's like the main mission of the weekend. Uh, usually, tree tree gets me pretty pretty amped. Yeah, that kind. Of- that have me that have me buzzing. I think snowshoe though, I think I went over the top. <laughs> I like fucking two more. <laughs> oh. I think I, I was with you actually at the bottom of track walk at snowshoe, wasn't I? You, yeah, you I think so. Friends, and you were raiding the fucking the Red <laughs> yeah. Bull finish area thing and you were shouting at the guy like, hey, hey, give me some Red Bulls. He'd give you a couple and you're like, no, 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 we need more. This all yeah. makes sense now. <laughs> I thought you like wanted them for the after party or something, but no. <laughs> Yeah, I was I, I was doing what one every couple of runs at Revolution at the end of the season. But I'm a big guy, so I need a lot of caffeine to get me going. Yeah, no, it's once you get started, you can't. Like I, I think I'm about nearly like 
50 cans in my room now from Red Bull. So I don't think that's going to last a week. Maybe, maybe two, I'd say. Depends how much if it's easy weeks. I might have to mess, call them again for another refill. But uh, yeah, it just gets me. I'd, I'd like to be pretty amped up for racing. Yeah. Does the job. Cool. So Irish national champion again, but first time as an elite. How, how proud yeah. are you to wear the sleeve? Yeah, that was pretty, that was like, that's one thing I wanted. I was like, I, I want that. I want the sleeve. And yeah. that was kind of the main goal. And especially like, it was pretty, it was pretty cool to like finally have it. So, and I didn't think I'd like, when I l- finished juniors, I was like, oh, that's probably the last time I'm ever going to do it because all the boys were way quicker than me. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be catching them. So I was like, it was pretty, I didn't think I'd be champion again, like back yeah. at the impact of junior. So it was pretty, pretty nice to have it again, represent. Cool. Sweet. Well, on to snowshoe. Um, I was there, so I, I know how slippy it was. Uh, we've got Greg Menard on the podcast saying that they are the greasiest conditions he remembers at a World Cup. You took a big mm. slam in practice, but you got up yeah. and went P8 in the time training. Do you, yeah. were you feeling like you were hitting a new level that weekend? Um, I think it was more, yeah, like I was kind of just, like crashing isn't, like I'm touching wood right now, but I don't crashing is kind of like, I, I think it's more, I like, I, it's my tradition to have a big huge every practice day. And I, I had a good few big ones. So as, like, funny, as funny as that sounds, that used to be my thing as well. If I was going yeah, into a race run, having not crashed, I'd always be yeah. like, Oh fuck. Yeah. What, what's well, going on? I've like, got a little bit older, a little bit less bendy now. So I try and avoid it. Is that, Oh fuck, because it's going to come in the race run. No, I don't know. And usually when I crash, somebody always gets on video. So it's pretty like, it's always like, if you don't get a good photo or a reels or something, like everyone loves crashes. So it's like, <laughs> why not? Like, like Leo gang, I had so many huge, well, that was kind of after a while on Leo gang, I had like a, a massive one every run. So I was like, you know, this, this is enough now, but, uh, snowshoe was, <laughs> snowshoe, there was a few big ones, but it was so slippy fall and just slide. So it was okay. Beside the rock gardens, you didn't, you didn't slide there. they're brutal (laughs) (laughs) okay so fast forward a day and you were fifth in qualifying which is obviously outstanding you sat at the top the following day and the only riders left uh Lloyd Bruni Bernard Kerr Thibaut Duprella and Omri Piron do you do you remember I spoke to you before you run do you remember that Mm. um a little bit I was kind of just so freaked out at that stage like I was Well, I wound my window down in my hire car on my way back to the pits, and I just, I just, oh, yeah. I just said, "Don't do anything different. You've got the pace. Yeah. Do the same <laughs> thing." Um, yeah. Everybody was rooting for you to do well. How were you feeling at the top before the run? Yeah, like I was in the pits, like with lads warming up, and that's when I had my first Red Bull, and I was like, "That kind of <laughs> that, so that, that was the start of it. I like had one then on the turbo, and we headed over, and I was like, do my warm up, and it's like." I seen, I think I seen Loris Verger going for his run, and when I seen him like go up for his run, I was like, "Holy shit, he's going before me!" I freaked out oh. and, just started, <laughs> and just started sculling cans. Like I think I had like three in the space of two minutes because I was like, my arms feel tired, I need energy. I was like fucking freaking out at the medical tent, and, like beside the medical thing, just like what the fuck's going on? And then like, yeah, I was pretty pretty weird moment but like it, it was cool being and then i went into the gate super early because i forgot about how big the gaps are for the last or the top minutes, five yeah. 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 so i was sitting in the gate like straight after andreas so i was sitting there like 
like, what the fuck do I do now? Just waiting for the <laughs> clock to go down. <laughs> and like the crowd are kind of quiet. So I was like shouting at them to make a bit of noise because it was quiet. <laughs> and like, I'd start freaking out if it was quiet. So they were like cheering me on. I was like, okay, this is, this is, then I got into the zone. It was pretty, well, kind of into the zone. So, yeah. So onto the run. Um, you held it together. The track was gradually drying up. Yeah. You were 1.5 up before a bit of a mistake in a rock garden, which cost you some time and finished fourth. Happy with the run? Yeah. The run was like, I think like I could have gone quicker in some parts, but also you could crash so easily. And um, like my main goal was like, get a good top section. And then if like get a good top and get, get some like good splits. And if I crash, at least I was going for it. Or something I didn't want to come down to the bottom and be like like not like not not be happy with a twentieth or something, but like to be fifth in quality, so you'd want to back yeah, try back, back it up. up. Yeah. Yeah, no and nobody like nobody set told like loads of people didn't think I was gonna do it. So I was like, just get keep like just do it like and then I kept on going down, made a pass each section. I was like, holy shit, I'm still on the bike, keep like keep going. <laughs> <laughs> even, even to myself i was like no way I, I was getting through bits that i completely just couldn't get all we got it perfect i was just like keep it going let's go to the next one let's go to the next one so i was like yeah it's pretty yeah it's pretty crazy with that um and i think i sprinted pretty hard at the top so i was fucked the whole way down i was wrecked i just pedaled wherever i could yeah, i do have to say i, I missed out on finals i was 61st in the quali which i was fairly relieved about because of the conditions but as a result i spent the morning of finals day on the track and in, in the bottom section um and there were only a few riders who got that bottom section nice in their practice runs and you were one of them um it did stand stand out that you were riding well yeah it's like it was pretty like tough but like it's slippy tacky conditions i was like that's that's like what i'm it's what I'm used to. So like, it was, it's like, okay, f- fair game. Like yeah. finally we have something close. I think Bernard said the same thing as well. He was like, he's used to that stuff as well. So it's helped him out there as well, which was pretty sick. So tell us a little bit about that, that buzz on the podium. Cause obviously it was probably an experience you were, you know, potentially weren't expecting. Um, yeah. How was that for you? Yeah, it was pretty, like again just like i was like the whole time just like what the fuck like even cycling back <laughs> to the pits after getting off the chairlift like everyone just going mental i was just like okay i need i need to cycle by myself like I, this isn't processing at all it's like it's like okay, i need it <laughs> i need some chill time and even when we went into like behind the podium with all the riders waiting i was just like what the fuck is going on here We're like amory all those boys jackson it was just like yeah it's pretty pretty surreal moment but uh yeah, it's a cool feeling. Definitely, definitely a cool feeling. Yeah. I remember you were in the hot seat um, with Andy mm. and someone else. I can't remember who. And um, there was um, someone coming down. And then um, Andy to- told you maybe, oh, you're on, you're, on, you're on the podium. You're in top five now. Yeah. Because <laughs> someone like went behind you. And I remember your face and you're like, shocked like you're shook you're frozen yeah you're like you're, you're staring and you're staring like into nowhere for like 10 seconds and we were laughing we were like laughing so hard at your face you're we like oh no he can't believe it so yeah, yeah i won't forget that moment it was a pretty it's a pretty sick to watch you andy and yeah. bernard get all three conti conti yeah. team was, person on the yeah, podium. Like, that was that was a sick podium 
beat on the podium with your teammates pretty much it was yeah it's pretty crazy yeah because yeah, I, I think it was when Lloyd crashed and yeah exactly Andy said it said it to me and I was like oh fuck off like I, I didn't believe him I was like there's no I, I even though I like I came down in second like with the yeah. run I just couldn't believe it I was like what nah stop stop you're you're joking like but uh yeah I, I my I couldn't believe it and after that my head was just like yeah waiting to wake up pretty much yeah nice so um moving on to Montserrat you yeah. did a big gap into into the the standing so you broke in the 25 plate um you crashed in qualifying but then still managed to qualify in 37th with a crash so that's pretty solid mm. um and then you got 16th in your race run so um that's a, that's a decent run for Montserrat but um did you feel any pressure after doing so well the week before or did it just relieve you of any like i have to do a good result yeah, like I wanted to back it up. Like, okay. I, don't, I guess yeah. it's weird. I, I I wasn't expecting a podium, like another podium, or not even the top ten. But I was like, you know, what? I just want to back it up with a good result and stay within the top twenty-five plate or something. So yeah, I was like, the run was pretty good, but it it could have been faster. But also like Montsegnan, it's such a brutal long track. Mm-hmm. I was it was just so physical. So I was. I was pretty happy with that one, but it would have been, it's it's weird. I don't know how the boys carry on their confidence. You know, like Bernard got his podium after his podium. I was like, so how do you know if you're, if you're worthy of another one? Like, how does it, how does that work? But, uh, yeah, well, you're 19 and Bernard is 31. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess <laughs> yeah. you still have some time, you know? Yeah. And no, that was sick to watch. I mean, 16 is solid for months and then I feel like. Yeah. Even, um, yeah, that, that, yeah. that ruthless track anyway yeah for sure um worlds in leger so you're p11 qualifying so that's like time was what tight you're only 0.4 off bruni that was eight so you were like really close to a top 10 mm. and then you got p16 in the race um we've heard that you wanted to go for the win i guess <laughs> yeah. it says on the pod as well that he wanted to go for the win too but yeah. it was really really close um did you really believe you could win it on this track yes like for, I, I don't know it's kind of weird it was like after the qualies and I had a big mistake in my qualies it just wasn't mm-hmm. my quality run I was like that I could have gone a lot faster and the second day of practice went really well I was you know what I was like you know what I wasn't expecting snowshoes so why why can't it happen here and I, t- I honestly told I was actually I could have won it or got a podium like I was pretty confident to start I was like you know what let's go for this and then I just had a good run but not I just wasn't more intense enough the way it was the times but the time I was still super happy with it but still I wasn't I would have wanted more which was it was cool to feel that though it was the first time I've ever felt like going into the thing I was like you know what I can I could actually yeah. do it it's a fair journey isn't it you know from where yeah. you come from in a very short space of time to feel like you <laughs> could to, to, you know to feel like you could win world champs it's incredible yeah. really no, it, yeah, it's weird. And that track was so, so sick. And I was just like, mm-hmm. I was loving riding it. I was like, every run was just so much like, enjoyment. It's just like plenty mm-hmm. steeps, like low me, but like flat out. And I was like, you know what? Let's just go for it. So it was pretty, pretty cool. Like, And the crowd was crazy as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So after your fourth in snowshoe and a couple of 16th places, um, you unfortunately had mechanical sort of flat in qualifying in Valdez Souls. So that mm. that must have been a bit frustrating after um, the good result that you've had. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty pretty good at on that one. because the track was, I don't know, the track this year was brutal. It was, mm-hmm. it was so, 
so brutal, but I was like, it would be nice to end off on a solid result. And I really did enjoy that track from previous years. So I was like, and but I think my for the practice day, I just did too many runs because I was too worried about time training. I was like, I have to get a good time training in. And I just came to quality so physically wrecked. I was just like, yeah, I'm done. I couldn't couldn't hold on. And then puncture at, like after the top split was pretty pretty good. In. Yeah, for sure. Um, so after these walk ups, um, we'll move on to hardline. So I went to hardline this year. Um, when you walked mm. the track, like, what were your first thoughts about? about it yeah like track walkers yeah they were they were fucking big anyway they were a lot bigger than the old videos but uh, <laughs> it looked it looked so sick and then after track walk i was like you know what fuck this and i got my bike and got my kit and started doing the first few hits on the bottom section and everyone was like like chill out man i was like nah i need, need to hit something today i need to get it out of my out of my system so i was like get me on the bike pretty much after that track walk i was pretty pretty fired up <laughs> yeah so you um you had a pretty good run, like you crashed in qualies, but you got up and you finished fourth, only two zero point four off seconds. So, I guess um, that was like very promising. Yeah, for, uh, direction. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, the qualies. I was like, got the was it top section. I was like, yeah, this prime crashed literally on the first bit, but I was like, is I could get a full run in. I was like, I know the jumps. You can only hit a certain speed, but it's the bits in between. I was like. It, it's just like a normal world cup then just mm-hmm. once you get the jumps done it's an actual race you have to look at the lines and stuff which is pretty sick that's why i like loved about it so i was like okay maybe we're on for a good result which was pretty cool and like yeah it was it was a sick track really do like it so you crossed the line with the old chain off am i right yeah i lost it in the last woods i don't it's weird because i've never lost a chain like that it's just last flat section on the woods i was just i think i must have pedaled and it just popped off so the whole end section i couldn't pedal and i thought i was going to case the shit out of one of those jumps because usually you have the sprint <laughs> yeah obviously but, uh, yeah i like somehow just got over it, but i was so so close to a podium i was pretty not gutted but i was like yeah that was a lot of money yeah so but you look like you were right at home on these big jumps like you look, you look comfortable and one of the first guys to hit them all as well so um mm-hmm. Is that the case? Yeah, they're just like the lads built them all so well. So like some of them, you just went as fast as you could and that's all you could do. And it was pretty sick. I think it was the metal ramp. You had to like judge your speed. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't stay on the best at judging speed. So when I hit it first, I went to flat. I don't know how I saved that one, but I literally went like oh, to the end of the landing within practice. So I was kind of like the one jump. I was kind of a bit because you had to like slow up for it and wasn't very good at those kind of things. So I noticed you weren't wearing any gloves is at all at Hardline. Is that something like a personal thing that you prefer? No, I actually lost my gloves <laughs> and I just didn't have any. Yeah, like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, I think, everyone was like, they're like, so you've gone gloveless now. I was like, no, I just can't, I just can't find them. I think Jack, <laughs> Jack just headbutted the screen then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I genuinely fucking love it. Like it actually reminds me of when I was 19, 20 years old, where all these small things that so many people nowadays are getting so obsessed about, like data acquisition and yeah. bullshit, 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 bullshit. He doesn't give a shit. He just wants to ride his bike past our meal. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, and I think in qualies, I, when I crashed in qualies, I like punched a bank, like full of like that sloppy fucking mud. 
And I, I was going into the first step down that metal ramp. My hands were just sliding on the bars because it was just slime. And I was like, <laughs> just before, I was like trying to rub off the mud on like one hand. No, it was so it was so dodgy. Every time I pulled up, it slide. Oh, I'm crying. <laughs> yeah, like, everyone was everyone was like, "Oh, you've gone gloveless now." It's like, no, I just, just can't find them anywhere. I thought I packed them. I was like, just gone. Um, oh, absolutely yeah, amazing. The best thing we've heard on the pod. <laughs> yeah, or it's like um, I kind of did something similar in snowshoe for my qualies. We all got like new shoes from my uh, Crank Brothers, and I put in my like the cleats in the last minute. And I fucking put them in all arseways, like yeah. bending off to all different directions because in a rush. So in that, all these runs, I just kept on clipping out because they were just all fucking janky. <laughs> was, uh, yeah, things like that. Yeah. Kind of as long as the bike grows, it'd be grand. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a post on Instagram from the end of, I think it's the end of November. No, maybe it's the end of October. And it's you and filming with Tom Caldwell and you're uh. <laughs> pulling for with one hell of a gap oh yeah tell us a bit about that and how many bikes have you broken this season <laughs> um, i actually haven't broken any bikes surprisingly right um, i taught hopping on a carbon bike i was like this is it this is this is how i die but um <laughs> yeah because like the new um even because like, it was a prototype bike so like you know prototypes are like ah oh, it breaks we'll fix it but yeah i never broke one and then I remember I posted an Instagram video of doing this big hook and it yeah. sat like it made an awful noise. And yeah. straight away, the new proof boys fucking sent me a message and they're like, we know you broke the bike. Tell them. <laughs> lying. They're like, I know you broke something. I was like, no, nah, I swear the bike's ground. He's like, stop lying to me. He's like, I got the to check through. But uh, nah, yeah, for Tommy's video, I was like, yeah, I needed to do something good for him. So there's a few other cool clips that didn't make it. Sadly, they, they wouldn't be allowed in the edit, but, uh, Nah, it's pretty sick. How far is that one? Do you know? Um, 60, 60 foot, maybe 70 foot, I think. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, and you could go a lot further, but it's just, it's a really flat pedal into it. <laughs> you have to sprint into it and then like just pull. So if you had a bit more of a running, fucking, you'd be going fairly far down. Yeah, we were out with Tommy yesterday filming for for a vital, and uh, he's a good lad. Shout out to Tommy, but yeah, he, he did mention you, and he did say it was uh, it was a rowdy day when he when he was out with did you. He, <laughs> did he mention the truck? He didn't actually. Oh yeah, that that that's the the clip that didn't make it, sadly. But uh, oh, no way. Go on, yeah. what, uh, tell us a bit about this. Uh, yeah, so I've like this old yellow pickup that I gave to my mate, just like use for uplifts and stuff, and we're like bikes on the back doing some drifts and stuff and i did some pretty sick drifts i was feeling like ken block i was like fuck yeah i'm gonna watch this boys this is gonna be hot shit now and uh, i overcooked her a little bit and the the back end fucking smacked the tree pretty pretty hard and all the all the bikes went different directions around all the bikes were in there oh tidy two two of our two of the irish boys are hanging on the top of it as well honestly i like Oh, when man. I stopped the truck, I went to look back and I was like, no way, the, those boys are still there. But they held on, to be fair. <laughs> nice. was, uh, we did something similar over, like, over here a few weeks back for one of our videos. And I had nightmares that night of me killing the yeah. lads because they were in the back yeah. of the truck and I was going about 50 off-road. And it's like, oh, if that goes wrong. Yeah, like I have a set of St. Cranks here. That one crank is at a 90 degree <laughs> angle because I hit the tree that hard. It's just 
obliterated it. The bike's actually grand, surprisingly, but sure. Yeah. So <laughs> after an amazing season like that, you know, well, it it's the stuff of dreams, really. What what are the kind of hopes and dreams now? What's the plans for next year? Yeah, so like now I was in college for a bit, but I couldn't really train, so I kind of had to put that on the back burner. So pretty much just do everything and everything possible to get back on that podium feeling, to be honest. So actually train as much as I can, get out on the bike as much as everybody else. And if I could train like everybody else, and like it shouldn't be, hopefully get the same results. So pretty, that's the plan, to be honest. Excellent. Well, look, thanks for thanks for making the time to come on the pod. I know you've squeezed us in tonight. Um, it has been great watching you ride this season, and, and a lot of fun talk, talking to you tonight. And <laughs> it's love. It's great to see people with that raw, raw spirit of you know just wanting to ride the bike as fast as they can, and, and the hooks and the lack of self. That's the word. Self preservation. Self preservation. That's the words. Yeah. So hope you can <laughs> hope you can keep it all going next season. Uh, best of luck. Cheers, lads. Yeah, it was, it was a good crack. Absolutely, cool. mate. Just keep doing it your way, and I think you'll go far. Yeah. That's it for another episode. Thanks to the sponsors of the show: Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalb, and SingletrackWorld.com. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you've got a sec, please drop us a review. Alternatively, please give us a follow on Instagram at Making Up the Numbers Racing or Facebook.com slash Making Up the Numbers. We'll be back very soon. This has been the Mammoth Production for Making Up the Numbers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.